The following podcast series was recorded between January and December of 2015. Originally hosted on the Horophilia Podcast Network, it has now transitioned to the Podcast Under the Stairs Collective. Myself and Andy Blockley would like to extend our gratitude once again to Jason Lloyd at the Horophilia Podcast Network for giving this podcast an opportunity to stay on that network for a couple of years and accumulate hundreds of downloads and great communication with legions of fans. The next instalment of the Doing the Nasty podcast looking at the DPP third tier movie list will start January 2020. Duncan McLeish will be joined by Mark Ball who will be replacing Andy Blockley on this podcast and will release one episode each month covering two films from the Tier 3 DPP video nasty list. But until that season drops, please enjoy these archives. They were called nasties and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen the video, Mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film. Welcome back to another episode of Doing the Nasty Podcast. This is episode number 17. I am one of your hosts, Duncan McLeish, from the podcast Under the Stairs. I am joined, as always, by my co-host with the most, Mr. Andy Blockley from the Big Horror and Little Podcast. How are you doing, sir? Tip top. Hey, good, thanks. Ready to talk some absolute fucking nonsense. Jesus. I'm glad we've got Evil Dead <laughs> to save us, because the other two... Well, we'll get into this, but uh, some fucking weird films tonight. <laughs> yeah, I think the thing about all three of these movies, the thing that they all share in common is they are all the the manifestations of, of insanity on a screen. I mean, all three of these movies are crazy. Um, the Evil Dead is the only one that can claim to be well made. I don't know. <laughs> You know, I mean, Evil Dead's Evil Dead. Yeah, it's well. Yeah, definitely well made. I think. Yeah, the other two are just fucking. And, and what we should do is right at the start is acknowledge that once again the goat over on Kiss the Goat, Jeff X Martin saved the day. We could not source a copy of Don't Go Near the Park. Um, once again, we're in that position where we're like that. Probably would have been fine if we hadn't seen yeah. it. But, um, <laughs> but uh <laughs> Jeff managed to find it for us and um, it's his copy that I'm using just now on the Facebook page which will remain active for two weeks until we record our next show so um, when this show drops if you still haven't seen it you've got like about a week to download it from yeah, the link on there well. and it's, watch um, it it's quite good quality yeah I'm su- surprised actually compared to Delirium which was an awful obvious VHS rip this yeah. one was actually a bit better um, so it was just highlighted how bad the movie is even more <laughs> so <laughs> um, yeah absolutely we, 
We should also probably um, just acknowledge the fact that there seems to be quite a delay that we can't fix. Um, yeah. So if it's slightly incoherent between my responses to you and vice versa, then that's why, listeners. Yeah, but we are going to persevere on here because uh, that's what we do on Doing the Nasty. No show is 100% perfect because very much like the movies we talk about, um, they're scuzzy pieces of nonsense that should be dis- disregarded and forgotten about right after you've viewed them. So... Uh, yeah, <laughs> talking about um, things that get disregarded after you use them, Andy. Yeah, <laughs> my, my podcast, my co- my podcast buddy, one uh, one day out of every two weeks. What have you been up to since the last time I spoke to you? Okay, bathroom is pretty much finished. Oh, um, yeah. Rachel was aw- Rachel was away um, at the weekend, so I basically just watched the entire series of True Detective back to back. Um. And this is England '86, which probably only British people will uh, will know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, a, a series by Shane Meadows, who did like Dead Man's Shoes. Um, I'm trying to think what else might be well known that he did. Um, he did uh, recently a documentary on the Stone Roses, actually, which was pretty good. I don't even like the Stone Roses, but I thought the documentary was pretty cool. Cool. So yeah, I mean, it just made me realise how fucking amazing the first season of True Detective was. Mm. Um, so good, so compelling. I hadn't seen it since I watched it when it was on the telly. So what you're probably talking about about nine months or so, yeah, uh, maybe longer, isn't it now? Since uh, since I watched, it. yeah, it's fucking brilliant. I enjoyed it so much more the second time as well. Um, just little things like the like like the mayor Tuttle is in episode one, mm-hmm. like the killer is in episode three. Just stuff that you don't really twig the first time. Um, oh god it's just fucking amazing it is next level I mean I did enjoy season 2 but it kind of does pale into you know it it pales into kind of insignificance next to that Um, but you just I don't think lightning can strike twice like that I think it was a real one off the pairing of the two people you know McConaughey and Harrelson it was just fucking amazing the story was great Um, it's kind of perfect thing you know that that serial killer the occult it's really intriguing you know horrible snuff tapes and all that sort of shit and my main criticism from season two even though Pizzolatto did say i'm not going to do any occult stuff don't tease it then yeah i think it's you're just going to annoy people because i think people will deliberately say stuff like oh there's not going to be any occult knowing for well there will be, almost like to put people off the scent, a bit like how Christoph Waltz is adamant that he's not Blofeld in the new Bond, and he probably turns out that he will be, you know what I mean, that kind of thing. Um, I just think, you know, like the the raven head, um, you know, there's like obviously a murder chair where someone's been killed in a chair. There's just little things, and I think, fine, I don't expect a carbon copy of season one, and I like what they did with season two. I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed the whole police procedural and stuff. I just think don't tease it because you are just going to wind. You are just going to irritate people that are lo- that are really longing for a bit of that. It's almost like a bit of a piss take, kind of a you know thumbing his nose a little bit at the crowd. Right? Here's some occult stuff. Not really. And I just <laughs> think yeah, that was a bit annoying. Um, but apart from that, yeah, I mean, season one's fucking amazing. Season two is really good as well. But season one, I just it's. I didn't at any point start watching anything. Right, I can't really. I'll go back to it in a bit. I mean, I did watch it over two days, but I could have literally watched eight episodes in a row if I didn't have other stuff to do. It's that good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fucking awesome. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I've 
been up to really um, watching wise uh, what about you um, well just to echo your your comments actually I think season one I've said I've said on other shows um, in fact I've just finished a show which has ran through each episode of season two week on week um, reviewing them putting yeah, forward yeah it's great I was listening to that uh, every week tuning in to kind of see what you guys thought it was great because it was almost like watching it watching the episode again yeah. it was really good because no one really loves there's one person at work that was watching it but she was about two weeks behind so it's almost like you can have a chat with your mate just listening to you two it's really good actually that was a great show you two did yeah it's one of those things that I mean I think Bo had said when we were recording it we would have done it anyway like you know, we would have spoke about the episodes week on week anyway just we, we thought we'd yeah. record our, our ramblings and musings and yeah I said on that show and various other places to me True Detective season 1 could be the pinnacle of TV I don't think I've ever seen television which has mm. been which has had the density of character development um, the intrigue and mystery of a story which has just hooked me from like the first beat of that TV show right to the very end of that season one all eight episodes just had me completely engrossed and you're right from right at the very start there are indications to who the killer is right at the very beginning and when you go back and watch it a second time they're all there it's all highlighted, it's all pointed out. Mm. Um, it's just it's because you're watching it the first time. It's like when you watch something like The Usual Suspects for the first time and when you get to the end and realise who Kaiser Sozi is and then you go back through all the different clips yeah. in the movie just like the cop does and you realise that it's been there all along and you've just not noticed it. Um, mm. The second viewing of that movie is completely different. The second view, viewing of the TV show is different. Um, I really enjoyed season two. I, I have... I have read many many reviews slating the, the show um and i'm convinced that i was watching something else um that i wasn't watching the same thing other people watching. you know what it's a prime example of people just being manipulated by media like so many people put their opinions out there that aren't really their own opinions it's just the latest thing they read mm. i find that so much like you know, if, the, if there's two sides of an argument and you're having a discussion with someone, whatever side of the argument they read in the paper that morning is the side of the argument they'll put forward. Like, there's no fucking critical thinking in there. Yeah. And I think that's the same with this. It literally bandwagon hatred for this series. Yes, it's not as good as season one. And I didn't ever expect it to be, mm-hmm. to be honest. And I just think, yeah, there are there are bits about it that I didn't like. And I'm not saying, I, I think I personally score season two about maybe an eight out of ten. I did really enjoy it, but it wasn't up there with some of the best stuff I've seen. So, yeah, I, I understand the criticisms, but I really don't understand the hatred for it. Yeah. Because it was a good show. I, I really don't get why people freaking ripped on it so bad. Oh, God, I, yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was very reminiscent of like an old horror movie with people with pitchforks and flaming torches stopping and the, the gates of the mansion to burn the house down. I, I just couldn't get my head round it at all. And um, I read a, a fantastic article that um, the Nerdist posted uh, a couple of days ago. I'll forward it on to you, actually. And basically what it says is that... Yeah, great. It says that you have to look at it as two different genres entirely, that, you know, Pizzolatto approaches season one as a Lovecraft tale. Um, and that's that's what it is in season two is approached as a crime noir tale and when you look at it through the the, the microscope of kind of 40s 50s noir cinema or or novels it, it it's you know it's really good within those contexts it, it's difficult when you are jumping so far away from the source material that made the first season so powerful 
that, you know, it's almost as if he needs, like, a season of TV in between to bridge the gap, you know, something that has a bit of the occult stuff and, you know, some more of the police procedural. So when you get to season three and he strips most of that out, um, I mean, even things that the bird head... I, I mean, my assumption had been, you know, straight from the off when I saw it, I was like, oh, there's a cult involved here. Look at the, the ritual way that things have, you know, that the guy's been uh, murdered at the beginning with his eyes being burned out and he, his cock shot off. And, you know, this is all very... That's another, yeah, that's another massive hint. Yeah. It was obviously a false alarm. Yeah. yeah you know, that was a red herring, really, wasn't it? The, uh, the eyes being burnt out. Yeah, but, I, I mean, when you when you get to the... When they explain it at the end, it feels very much like I'm a, like a huge fan of like like noir stories I, I love Chandler the works of Chandler fucking amazing not not from Friends by the way uh, Chandler the crime writer his stuff <laughs> is just fucking yeah. bing um, his stuff is like absolutely brilliant and um, it all follows that same template of you know a cop coming in on some sort of investigation which leads to greater corruption all the public figureheads are always corrupt in these things, all the women are femme fatales and badasses um, there's always like some sort of mystery and the main crime always gets solved before the bigger part um, and there's never usually a happy yeah. ending and um, I mean it ticked all those boxes but it came one year like I say after what is widely regarded as the best season ever made um, of TV and when you put the two of them together it's almost unfair to compare them it'd be like comparing The Godfather to Commando you know what I mean two completely different yeah. genres um, both awesome yeah, but not the same not the same yeah you, you'd, you'd be hard pressed to say that Arnold Schwarzenegger delivers the same sort of uh, performance that um, like Al Pacino does in The Godfather you know what I mean it's, but that doesn't mean that the performances aren't close. great yeah, oh, God, obviously close obviously close um, but yeah I, I mean I, d- I dug it I dug it quite a bit and um, that shows up there for people that want to listen to this exclusive on Legion Podcast Network it's Duncan and Bo Come True Detective um, and there's all the episodes if you've not seen the show then if you are interested watch it and then maybe in between each episode listen to, to what we said about it to be honest I've not been doing that much I, I went on a bit of a splurge picked myself up some more Blu-rays and haven't watched really anything in the way of anything. Which, Any of them. <laughs> yeah, which isn't involved with a show just now. I've got so many shows on the go and plus I'm about to, I go away on holiday. Um, when this show drops, I'll actually be on my holiday um, away in Spain. So the... Brilliant. Yeah, Burning your ass off with the Factor 75 on. I, I will be pretty much uh, covered head to toe in a burka. Uh, to avoid the sun, um, but yes, oh, I've yeah, a white one, though. a white it one reflects the heat. I don't understand why people are wandering around in black burkas that absorb <laughs> the heat, and then it's some kind of punishment ritual that's insane. <laughs> Get yourself a white hat, so yeah, so, um, so I've not been watching that much at all. And like I say, like obviously doing a bit of watching some TV stuff, I've started Aquarius which is the new show. It's just finished in the States, actually, with um, David Duchovny from The X-Files and Californication. And it's set during the Manson murders, the Manson family murders, and he's a cop investigating something that takes him to the door of Charles Manson. And um, a couple of episodes I did that. not know that. 
Well, that sounds brilliant. And I really love David Duchovny. I think he's awesome in Californication. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't realise that's what that was about. So I'll be checking that out. Yeah, it's, um, we're two episodes in and I'm digging it. I mean, the attention to detail and the time setting. It reminds me a lot of when you watch uh, Fincher's Zodiac. You know, okay. when you watch that movie, you're just absorbed by the fact that this is the 60s and this is the 70s. Um, just by the, the attention to detail, they've pretty much nailed that. And there, and the story looks interesting. The guy they've picked to play Manson is a bit too attractive for my liking. You okay. know, like when you when you look at you know the mugshots of Charles Manson, he's not he's not an attractive looking guy. But they've made him like. Thing is, isn't everybody attractive though, these days in anything you watch? Oh yeah, it seems like if you. If if you're not like a nine out of ten on the look scale, you can't really get near TV or films, can you? Yeah. It appears so. Yeah, weird. Yeah, very, very, very strange. But yes, yeah, so I'm watching that. Um, I've been watching the Scream TV show. I'm about four episodes into that. That is a whole hell of a lot of fun. It's a fucking nonsense show. <laughs> oh yeah, it's yeah, okay. it's not aimed at it's not aimed at me and you, Andy. People that grew up with that. It's aimed at teenagers. But for some reason, that has aided the show. It's dumb as a bag of rocks. But I, I'll give it. It's like when it's on the when it's on the screen, I'm I'm like hooked on it. But it's a, I mean, the acting quality is poor. The, you know, I mean, the story's <laughs> okay. pretty flimsy. Um, although I do like the new ghost face mask. I think that's actually quite creepy. Yeah. And it is quite bloody for a show on MTV. But yeah, it's, it's, it's worth checking out. Um, and yeah, like continuing my 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 slot through uh, Hannibal, which is almost finished. Only two episodes of that left. And loving that. Still loving oh, that. Oh, so good. Oh, the Red Dragon story's been executed perfectly i love all the nods to to the the novel they made it more true in keeping with the novel but i love how they went away from the novel and they've started changing things which have never never happened in the books or any of the movies and um that's made it completely compelling for me and yeah I, i'm going to be sad to see that show go for if forever or maybe even a couple of years i don't know how, you know what will happen with it but uh, yeah, it's had my full attention. It's been really fucking good. Um, season three's been pretty much flawless. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's been my show this year. It's been my true detective of this year. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I, me too. I think basically what it what happens is with season three. Um, it's so different to seasons one and two. And what I loved about seasons one and two was it really obscure, wonderfully creative murders and mm. things like that. But and I think one of the criticisms criticisms of season three is that they've moved away from that. But they really had to because you can't really go on doing that. You know, it's I think people don't seem to like it when stuff gets changed. Mm-hmm. And I think what you need to change, you need a bit of progression. And it's brilliant. I mean, I don't see how you can criticize the fact that you've got Hannibal, the movie, and Red Dragon all in one season. It's like, I think you know, all my Christmas has come at once. It's <laughs> awesome. Well, I think the original plan was they were going to rush through both those movies because they hadn't got the rights to Clarice Starling to do Silence of the Lambs. So the plan was that the next season, which we might never see, season four, was going to be a brand new season, complete new story, something we'd never seen before. Um, Ah, And that's kind of what's the the kick in the teeth, because that's something I would really like to see. Um, And I was listening to a podcast today where they were joking, like Neil Marshall, the guy that directed... uh, such great movies as Dog Soldiers, The Descent, Doomsday. Um, he actually directed the episode, the first episode for The Red Dragon, 
That was, you know, that was his thing. And then, uh, yeah, I spotted that. I said that to Rach when he came up. I thought, yeah, I recognise that Neil Marshall. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and basically, I'd heard this thing where someone was saying why Hollywood hasn't just turned around and said, hi, Mr. Neil Marshall, we will give you a boatload of money, take the the cast and crew from uh, Hannibal and go and make Silence of the Lambs a remake. And I was like, that, I would, Maybe they will. I would watch the shit out of that. I mean, I would be hooked. And it's going to be interesting to see, moving forward, what influence... Hannibal is going to have uh, like on TV moving forward. Like I already, I already get this feeling that you know uh, that show's so art house that it could inspire you know more people to start putting like a really artistic spin on TV and just not be like you were saying about immaculate faces and tens. That was the thing about Hannibal is there were characters in that show that were not attractive. Um, you know, I mean. They, they they picked they picked people that because the subject matter is quite dark and I, I I love that aspect and I would love to see more shows kind of take that stance and try and do something a bit more artistic and not look like every other fucking show on TV. Um, say what you want about yeah. the criticisms for things like True Detective Two didn't look like any other show on TV. It had its own feel, its own vibe. It's you know its own look, which didn't even it tried to emulate season one, but it went off in a kind of more noir feel. So yeah, yeah, I I love the fact that we spent all this time at the start talking about stuff which is genuine quality, when we now have to move on and talk about <laughs> like I described this on the Facebook page. This episode is going to be two movies we don't in the title and a a little movie that you may have heard of before called The Evil Dead, um, and I believe this is your week, sir, to lead us. Um, in prayer uh, yes, yeah. with our first two uh, with two movie reviews and you're going to be kicking us off first so I think it makes perfect sense to take a short break just now um, position just yourself just one more thing oh. just one more thing before we do yes let's just mention uh, the thing that Dave Payton uh, oh, posted yeah. on our page and that is that Sir Graham Bright has been up to his old tricks again <laughs> and by his old tricks I just mean being a twat <laughs> Um Head over to Facebook page and have a look. He's just, but he's still a knob. He looks a little bit more like it's cross between Toad from The Wind in the Willows and Roy Chubby Brown. Um, he's just a bell end still, just being an obnoxious prick who hasn't kind of mellowed with age as you might expect some people probably would have done. He's still the twat he always was and he'll probably die a twat. Um, so yeah, head over to the Facebook page and have a look at that because it's quite amusing. It's got the new clip that happened, I think, today. Um, and then we've uh, put the old clip underneath of him talking about fucking dogs from our uh, from our inch. <laughs> Just right stress when you said fucking dogs, he doesn't actually mean bestiality. Yeah. He means <laughs> that he probably does. <laughs> I reckon he does. I, I don't. I can't imagine as many women he can get to have sex with him for free at least. Yeah, I thought it was quite ironic that he's still banging on about censorship. Like he didn't want someone to someone from the local community to film him and ask him questions. He wanted it to be censored, and we're like, "Ah, you are a disgrace. You're a disgrace to the human race." So, just a wanker. So, thanks, Dave Payton, for uh, for pointing that out. I don't know where he found that uh, news clip. It's probably a, a page he subscribes to, I imagine. But yeah, thanks for pointing that out, Dave. That's great. It's great to know that he's still being a wanker. So. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to take a short break just now. Um, you're going to hear a promo for Johnny Krug because we'll love that man. He returned 
um, after an extended hiatus and dropped. I love how he said in his his podcast as well. You know, I don't think I, you know this is just a quick episode. It's probably it's probably full of mistakes and all the rest, and it's just seamless. It's seamless. It's fucking awesome. I didn't know Johnny Krugard, um I didn't know he'd done a new episode, so I'll be downloading that tonight for tomorrow. Yes. Awesome. Need to do it. Need to do it. Support that, man. Johnny Krug, we love you. So, um, yeah, Johnny Krug's promo is going to play. Then you're going to hear some people talk about our first movie review of episode number 17. It's Don't Go Near the Park from 1979. Andy's going to kick us off with that one when we come right back after this. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show. Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs. There'll be more blood, expletives, and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at. Visit www.kruegernation.com Well, don't go near the park. You can't say they didn't warn you. This is a very unmemorable vampire flick. This is a movie which opens with the quote, This film is fiction, but is based on actual occurrences that have happened over the centuries. So, whatever that means. As for the plot, well, after a prologue, in which a curse of eternal damnation is placed on some annoying kids, we move forward some... 12,000 years or so to find the kids are still around and they're surviving on a diet of ripped open stomachs but unfortunately the centuries have done little to sharpen up their acting skills. Most of the gore in here um, is centred around disemboweling scenes which seem to be uh, the things that got the DPP all worked up into a lather but unfortunately the effects are so poor that it, it doesn't really seem to matter anyway. I mean it's just ridiculous. With a plot like that you probably need to be on some kind of medication to enjoy this, but I know some of you out there are, so enjoy. Since the dawn of time, man has been plagued by the evil curse of the lusting vampires. The living dead have risen again. Don't go near the park. Keep out. This park is not for playing. The horrible truth will curdle your blood. They rise from the grave to wreak their ritualistic vengeance on the living. Zombies on a rampage of blood and terror. Don't go near the park. Okay, and welcome back. So this is our first movie review of tonight. Uh, Don't go near the park, aka Curse of the Living Dead, and a couple of other foreign ones that I'm not even actually going to attempt uh, to butcher. This is a, a film from America from 1981. It was released in October 82, added to the list in November 83, and subsequently removed in July 85. IMDB synopsis, uh, runaways are attacked by evil beings from the far past. <laughs> so brilliant. Thanks, IMDB. That's <laughs> fantastic. Um, and then the movie itself, when it opens, tells us that this is based on fiction. No, this is fiction, but based on actual occurrences which happened over the centuries. Thanks. Again, vague as fuck. Like that, what does that even mean? That's given you literally hundreds of years of things to pick from <laughs> to add into this film. Um, 
Speaking of IMDb, I had a quick scroll down because I always like to look at the star ratings, not just the IMDb rating, which is about three, evidently, on this. Um, but the the, the the ones that user reviewers give, loads of them put "Don't go near this movie" as their tagline. Don't <laughs> go near this DVD. Don't go near this shit. Don't go near this VHS. And I thought that's good advice. Thanks. <laughs> I'd like to pass on that advice to any listeners who are thinking of watching it. Um, you know they will anyway, so... Oh, of course they will, yeah. I know. I'm just saying it uh, for comedy effect. I know there are people that are going to go and watch this. And fair play to you if they're kind of sticking with us. Um, I will say this is similar to 2001 A Space Odyssey um, in that it's set <laughs> about 12,000 years ago and then in present day at the same time. So we're in good company there. I um, can't believe you just referenced like one, arguably one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time in the same sentence as Don't Go Near the Park. That's amazing. Yeah, similar, you see. Um, so the plot that I've kind of cobbled together is that just a couple of vampires um, who I think have been around for about 12,000 years basically eat people's organs um, in order to kind of stay young. So what they do, they start to kind of age, and when they eat the insides of a younger person, their corpse all of a sudden ages, and then the the vampires, they kind of regress back to sort of youthfulness. Um, There is a lot more going on, but it's so fucking random and bizarre, this movie, it's really difficult to get into it um, in just a brief synopsis. We've got some kind of stuff that obviously made it bring come to the attention of the senses. We've got attempted rape, um, that she just kind of laughs off at one point and goes, oh, I'm sick of people trying to rape me. I'm fed up with this. <laughs> um, we've got almost incest. Um, we've got some cannibalistic behaviour. Uh, we've got vampires that can apparently tear people's stomachs open with their bare hands. I'm not really sure why. Um, this is fucking bizarre. This is the, the one I watched today. Um, this is the one that Jeff uploaded for us. And this is fucking weird. This is just... It's just so random and obscure. Like it keeps doing these weird flashbacks, doesn't it, to like caveman days? And yeah. this guy's got these weird like laser lasers that he shoots out of his eyes. Um, that are just horrendous. Help me, Duncan. What what what, what did you make of this? Because I know you sent me a message last night saying this is just fucking gobbledygook. This. Yeah, it's all it's all this over the nice. place. It's absolutely yeah. all over the place. I don't know what the fuck happened with this script other than it, they, they were just taking bits of everything and lumping them into a, a giant like, stew pot um, it was I, I mean it very much I mean it was released in 81 but it was shot in 79 and it feels like a 70s movie it, it definitely has the yeah. like the, the way it looks the, the, the overall feel the, the way it's shot still feels like a 70s movie but is it 79 or 81 I have conflicting information like the IMDB says it's 79 but Wikipedia yeah. says 81 I think it was I think it's I think it was made in 79 and released in America in 79 um, okay. oh no it was made in 79 but released in 81 so okay. I must have must have stayed on the shelf for a wee while, which unfortunately <laughs> should have probably stayed there. <laughs> I tell you what, it has got Linnea Quigley in it. It has a very young Linnea Quigley who is exposed quite a lot in this movie, and um, yeah, you can see maybe why her career went the way it did. 
Or that yeah. she's not she's not afraid in this movie to get uh, boobage out. Um and then obviously that that is a, the prime reason to watch Linnea Quigley in the in the eighties. Um where she pretty much does, you know, full frontal female nudity in Return of the Living Dead, or puts a lipstick yep. in her breast, um, <laughs> in um, Night of the Demons. Uh, oh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, what what I thought right, the weird thing about this movie is there is a really weird, cheesy, almost sort of Little House on the Prairie or the Waltons vibe that runs kind of through some of these characters and some of the sequences in between the vampire stuff or the cannibal vampires or whatever the fuck they are um, which is tonally very 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 strange and it kind of works against the grain even the end of this movie with the kind of almost wink smile at the camera it just doesn't go with the movie at all the flashback sequences are never really explained at all the opening sequence where it explains that this thing you know it's a fictional story based on real event bullshit um, and, but it's not even why even go down that road just do what every other movie did in the seventies, based on a true story. Just do what the Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. You don't need to say this is a fictional account of like, people. People know that unless they work beside you, like, like that woman who doesn't understand. Oh, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, there's some interesting. There's some interesting things in the movie. I don't think it is absolutely awful. I think. Um, I just think it's. I just think. N- it's not a particular... If it's aiming to be like a splatter movie, um, it's not a particularly good one. A movie like Blood Feast, which came out like almost, you know, well, came out like almost 20 years before, is superior in that fact. Um, if it's trying to be some sort of cannibal movie or whatever, it's a, not a very good one. Um, I don't know what it's aiming to be, and I think that's my big issue with it, is that it ultimately feels like a lot of jumbled stories and a lot of scenes which don't tie evenly in together um, without really even explaining anything. And as a result, when it finished, I kind of sat there and went, huh, I don't know what to make of that. It was just completely yeah. all over the shop. And it's distracting. When you don't have something to anchor yourself to through a movie, it can be very distracting Um and very difficult to keep your attention focused on it. And I found that all the way through this movie. I just couldn't... I couldn't find anything to grab onto. No, I mean, it's weird, because when it first started, I thought visually, this is probably... It actually looked like it had quite high production values, but Mm -hmm. in hindsight, I think that's probably more to do with just how good the quality of the copy was, because it was, I think, pushing about 1.4 gig. So on a tiny little laptop that was watching it, it looked pretty crisp. Um, but that didn't last for too long here once the actual film started. I mean, like you say, that opening gambit of uh, this based... I mean, why say it's based on fiction? Like, surely you say it's based on a true story. Don't tell me it's based... It says it's fiction, but based on actual occurrences at home. It happened over the last few hundred years. I don't really know when. Just pick one. And I think, what, what what are you on about? Like, it sets itself up almost from the start just to be a bit of fucking shit. Just by saying that, by the, what, what we're about to show you is a load. It's not real, but something like that must have happened. It must have happened a couple of hundred years ago. So if it did, it's real. It's like I don't know what you're going for, mate. Is it, is it real or is it not real? It's just it's nonsense. Well, I think yeah. the front cover, um, the US front cover, anyway, is probably the reason why it got comes to the attention of the senses because it kind of looks like a girl holding another girl's with a hand over her boobs, and it's not. 
it's like it's the young kid, isn't it? But the front cover it does look like it's it's a woman with an, with her hand over another woman's tits. Um, so I think that's possibly why. I mean, the other reason I think is stuff just got flagged up if it had the word "don't" in it. I think you're right because this is always, yeah. I mean, this is called "Curse of the Living Dead." Um, I've just was also called Nightwalker and Century for Evil. None of them have really got any kind of relevance to the film. Mm. And to be honest, "Don't Go Near the Park." hasn't really got any relevance to the film either it's a bit of a stretch stuff happens in parks yeah okay some of the people happen to be killed in a park but i don't know if they deliberately stick these don't titles on to make it kind of stand out again one of those things are they hunting for this do they want this to be on the list with the publicity because no one would this film no one would have ever heard of it if they hadn't made the list i'm sure because it's so obscure and so kind of random i don't think it would have come to anyone's attention if it wasn't for the fact that it was you know considered for prosecution yeah I, I'm, I'm with you on that i think the, the the big key factor for the the attention given to the movie is the fact that it's don't in the title i think um the fact that we did one last week we're doing two this week we did one in the previous lot you know, for the the prosecuted ones the fact that we're you know there's four don't movies in total out of the the 79 video nasties list. Uh, 72, yeah, sorry. Video nasties list says well. a lot. What, sorry? Mm, there's at least there's at least three or four other ones as well um, that all started with, with don't. Yeah. I've not got them off the top of my head. When I was watching the intros from the doing the nasty documentary, there is a good three or four that come out at a similar time that have also got don't. Yeah. Um, which is obviously brilliantly pissed, you know, there's an amazing piss take in the, if you've got the, the Grindhouse edition of Grindhouse, the one where it's got the films back to back, you get the fake trailers and obviously Edgar Wright did that awesome spoof of yeah. Don't and uh, obviously these are the exact kind of films that he's taking the piss out of because it is literally just that four, you know, that four letter word is is pretty much why this is on the list, which is crazy. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I think... Um... Yeah, it's just not a very good movie. <laughs> it just really, really isn't a good movie at all. Just, and um, yeah, I, I, I don't have anything else to say about it, Andy. Is there anything else you want to touch on, or will we, or we jump from this don't movie to another don't movie? Um, yeah, let's just get the other don't movie out of the way so we can ask like Evil Dead for half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I like your style. So um, yeah, so yeah. we need to grade it anyway. Um, for me, it's. There's attempted rape in it. There's some gore in it. I would probably give it a slap on the wrists. I wouldn't dismiss it. Um, there is kid peril in it. There's a kid that dies at the end. So, yeah, slap on the wrist shouldn't have been on the prosecuted list at all. Um, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, the 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 attempted kind of rape, basically, she gets picked up, like hitchhiking, I think, by a van full of uh, sort of teenage to early 20s lads um who two of them basically just start trying to you know rip her clothes off and grope her in the back of the car while the other one who's driving is just cracking up thinking it's hilarious which is quite disturbing really you know it's almost that pack mentality of you know, they all think that's a perfectly acceptable thing to do to a lone female is basically terrorize her and almost rape her so that's quite disturbing um that is literally the worst bit of the film and i think because it an attempted rape and it's not it doesn't go the whole way um i can only give it a slap on the wrist the gore's ridiculously shit um just the whole just the concept that you could tear someone's stomach open with your bare hands with that with minimal effort and it's basically just looks like uh tracing paper that's kind of torn and then again 
you know, the same thing that's used in all these types of films. It's just awful, bought from the local supermarket. You know, it's a, it's a kidney, it's a liver, and pulled out. That's really the worst this movie gets. So, yeah, slap on the wrist. It shouldn't have been on this list. It sh- certainly shouldn't have been on the original list. Um, it's it's just not a very good film. And uh, it's like we've said, it's probably only on there because it's called Don't. Mm-hmm. So let's just uh, let, let's move on. And uh, you're obviously going to lead us on the next one, which is uh, Don't Look in the Basement. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, short break just now. Some promos, people talking about the movie, myself and Andy, right back after this. There are many mysteries in this world, and whether you believe or not believe, we gather to explore the strange and unexplained, where the paranormal is normal, and nothing tastes like chicken. We are Mysterious Boom! Exclusively on the Horophilia Network. Of podcasts. Don't Look in the Basement was directed by um, a Texas-based director called S.F. Brownrigg. He'd got his start working with Larry Buchanan in the 60s as a sound man. Um, and then in the early, uh, early 1970s, he made four movies, as it turns out, within about less than two years of each other. Now, the reason I sound so surprised by that is that for many years we accepted... Uh, different dates for the films he made, which was spread between 1972 and 1979 in one case. Don't Look in the Basement is the only one that has got a real strong exploitation element to it. The violence is quite OTT. And the setup is great. It's um, a very, very progressive asylum uh, which believes in no boundaries between the, the uh, mentally ill who are being incarcerated and the staff. The mentally ill are allowed to, say, for instance, work out their frustrations by um, laying into a giant log with an axe, you know, uh, whilst, you know whilst, their, uh, whilst their therapist stands and coos approvingly on the sidelines. And, well, you can see where that's going, can't you? You know, so it doesn't take long before this uh, radical therapeutic regime uh, goes off the rails rather drastically. Don't. Don't look in the basement. The makers of Last House on the Left warn you again. To avoid fainting, keep repeating. It's only a movie. Only a movie. Only a movie. The line between sanity and madness can be crossed in a single step. And with this step, you enter the nightmare world of terror. On the day the insane took over the asylum, Judge Cayman, whose iron self-control hides the urge to kill. Harriet, a mother's love, twisted into the malignant shape of evil. The sergeant, living in the hell of an aimless war, fighting a battle within himself that he lost long ago. Allison, in a desperate need for love, an obsession that could drive her to murder. Danny, whose sense of humor triggers a violent act of 
revenge. Dr. Masters, who has her own idea of the gentle art of healing. And Charlotte, who left the world of sanity and security only to be trapped in the nightmare world of madness, a nightmare she cannot escape. They all met on the day the insane took over the asylum. Don't look in the basement. And welcome back. So um, we are now going to be talking about Don't Look in the Basement, a.k.a. The Forgotten, from 1973. It was directed by S.F. Brownrigg. And the synopsis as listed on IMDb is A young psychiatric nurse goes to work at a lonesome asylum following a murder. There she experiences varying degrees of torment from the patients. Um, I had never seen this movie before. In fact, of the three that we're going to discuss tonight, the only one I had seen was Evil Dead. I'm not okay with a lot of these don't movies. Um, and you gave me advance warning this time. Like you were like, I'm not quite sure if these guys were trying to make a comedy or like a serious horror mm. movie. Um, because it's the the tone is really weird, and it is. Um, I will say that actually. I had a bit of a good time with this movie. I didn't hate it. Um, it has a lot of flaws, mostly down to the fact that its budget is next to nothing. So this guy pulled off yeah. what I would say is a mini miracle on a budget and nothing. Um, and I think the story's pretty cool as well. I, I really like the story in this one. Mm. That that idea of going in somewhere and being you know charged with looking after you know people that are insane but then having this sinking feeling that the people that you're working with are in fact insane. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the, the, this kind of idea of the inmates running the asylum, I think works really well in this. Um, it's, it's clearly an exploitative movie and they go out their way to put the nurse through <clears throat> varying degrees of pretty horrible, nasty shit. <laughs> um, and yeah. this movie was uh, put out it was kind of made by the dudes that did um, oh, Last House on the Left. So not the director, but the, the the film team came off doing Last House on the Left and, you know, doing this. And that's why if you look at the poster, it's, you know, it's uh, repeat to yourself, it's only a movie, it's only a movie. Basically using exactly yeah, the same... Yeah, <laughs> using the same tagline. But that will just shove it on everything that will sell. Um... <laughs> it's nowhere near as horrific as um, Last House on the Left, but I thought some of the performances are are pretty fucking batshit crazy. There is a weird thing going on which um, did kind of make me like at times I did find myself smiling and laughing at this movie. Kind of unfortunately because I I don't think they were playing some of this to go the way. It, it did. It has that kind of goofiness mm-hmm. at times, which feels quite, once again, tonally not in keeping with what the movie's trying to do. I mean, when we watch Evil Dead, there's a movie that scuts comedy and horror very, very well. Uh, you can argue, and I yeah. would probably agree, that it scuts it better the further the series goes on. But, you know, it can introduce those elements and keep it tonally correct. And in this movie, I think whether they're intentional or not, the tone gets thrown off. Um, but there's some satisfying stuff in this movie. It's not terrible. It's just not amazing. Um, I, it would be interesting to see 
what a remake of this movie would feel like, you know, because um, they, they have done things before, like uh, when they did the remake of of House on Haunted Hill and the ghosts in that movie were inmates from the asylum and, you know, are, then there was a weird kind of feel about that which kind of worked in the movie saver even though I don't particularly like that movie. Um, it would be interesting yeah. to see kind of tackling that sort of thing now, you know, being trapped in a place where, you know, you're you're basically surrounded by madness and the, the, the walls are establishment there to contain that madness is in self, you know, mad. I think it's quite an interesting concept. I just I think that it was maybe a bit above the the budget and maybe a bit above the the creative talent that were in this movie. But yeah, I didn't hear it. What about yourself? Um, yeah, I mean, if if you're interested in a remake, Duncan, perhaps you should check out the sequel from April this year. What? Don't look in the basement, part two. You're having a fucking laugh. No, I'm not. It was released in April this year, and it's basically the survivor from the first one. Uh, again, I, can't, I don't really know what else happens. I just know it's the, the one remaining uh, person from the first movie is uh, reintroduced into the asylum. As well. So we've got a second film, and I can't believe they've made it in that April 2015 is insane. Um, but it's uh, five point, I think about 5.4 on IMDb. You've officially stumped. You've officially floored me right now. I didn't. I did not know that. I did not know that yeah. at all. I mean, I, it's funny. I mean, it doesn't surprise me the time difference because I remember reading not that long ago, maybe last year, that they were trying to do a direct sequel to "I Spit in Your Grave," like from the the seventies okay. version. And I was like, right. "Why would you? Why would you do that movie?" But they were going to bring the survivor back the woman back into this movie and I was like what she's going to get granny raped or something I don't, I don't you know what I mean I don't, yeah. I don't I don't understand why you would do that I I'll tell you they're scraping the barrel aren't they <laughs> yeah, for ideas in Hollywood they are yeah. fucking that's what they, that's what you call sleeping with a granny <laughs> scraping the barrel um, sorry I just <laughs> it, it, it was horrible I feel ashamed of myself I'm hey, hanging my on, head that's all, people, that's all some people can get <laughs> Yeah, um, I would actually, I would be keen to check that out. I might actually check that out before the next show and report back if I can get my hands on it. Oh, um, yeah, so it's what yeah, this getting, movie, is it? Yeah. It's amusing. I mean, the, the, so you've just got like an array of these crazy characters. We've got an army vet um, who's a little bit crazy and he's what I like to call Murdoch from the A-team crazy, which means <laughs> you're not really that crazy at all. You're just a little bit eccentric and a little bit wacky, and you sometimes do random voices and stuff. That's that. So that's uh, that's Murdoch from Eighteen Crazy. But then you've got a proper lunatic. Um, you know, I think he used to be a judge because he just kind of talks in judge terms, um, and they keep giving him an axe for some reason. Like because when the film started, the army vet was basically doing this thing where he was like looking out the window, going, "Oh, you know, Charlie's up in the trees." Like he's obviously having a bit of a Vietnam flashback. And then they go, all right, Steve, 10 more minutes. And I thought, what? You're actively like, allowing him to live out this fantasy. Surely that's not going to help with his, uh, you know, with his recovery. But then you soon kind of realise that it's this supposedly really progressive, um, like psychiatric sort of house where they're all living, where they do deliberately let them kind of roam free, interact with each other, live out their you know, fantasies and their kind of psychosis. Like the the judge, they just letting him slam an axe into a log, 
mm-hmm. in the back garden going, yeah, go on, fucking go on, get into it. Oh, yeah, give it some and all this. And then the guy that's kind of monitoring this just starts having a random chat with somebody else. And I just think, I'm thinking, don't turn your back on him because he's going to, yeah. And then sure enough, he does a bit like Friday the 13th part five, just buries his axe into the back of the guy. But they don't take the axe off him. It's mental. There's no comeback. Mm-hmm. Like, he literally is just murdered. I mean, it turns out the guy's not dead. But as far as we're concerned, he's murdered one of the doctors at the hospital. And the next minute, he's just like having lunch in the canteen. Like, like there's no comeback. It's <laughs> insane. Um, then you've got, like, a nympho. Um, he, he's just going around trying to have sex with everyone. This is kind of our first female or male rape that we've had. Isn't yeah. it? And we've we've got it's brilliant tonight. We've got all different kinds of rape. We've got a tree rape coming up. We've got attempted rape. We've got female on male rape. So it's lovely plethora of, of rapage. Um, <laughs> we've also got one guy that looks like he's got Kleinfeld from Carlito's Way itis, as I called it, because <laughs> he just is Afro. Um, and then there's like the head nurse. Who basically, this is a spoiler. Um, the head. nurse is actually a patient which is a pretty good twist and it kind of makes you realise why these people are allowed just to roam around and do what they want because the woman in charge is fucking crazy and she's one of the patients so even though it seems a bit bizarre that they're letting you know the, the patients kind of behave this way it does kind of make sense towards the end um, random stuff happens like they cut the old woman's tongue out and I thought why are you bothering she's just talking bollocks like, no <laughs> one's going to listen to her <laughs> and that's what makes me really laugh because there's a scene like once um, there's like a big reveal where the where the genuine nurse who's kind of got this new job realizes that oh fuck like is is the head nurse actually a patient then and she goes around and asks everybody and I thought why are you clarifying it with mental patients they're not going to know like they're not going to get a good answer it's like literally somebody tells her that the head nurse is actually a patient that's not good enough she goes hey ben is she uh and then she's literally going around asking everybody one by one and that just cracked me up i thought look love i know you are probably in denial but i think you're gonna have to face facts she <laughs> she is like running the asylum um and then there's like another guy who's just got mild learning difficulties and i think why are you in there like he's not really anything wrong with him. He's just kind of operating at the age of, of a bit of a, you know, as a child, isn't he? Really, so he's just like a mishmash of of just people with mental disorders. And they've just had to have like a token each one, haven't they? They've got a token, a token simpleton, a token nympho, a token like ex-army vet who's having flashbacks. Um, and it's not a bad little twist, is it? Really, I mean, it's not, it didn't have as much impact as you think, because I thought all along this was really wrong with that nurse. I kind of yeah. twigged that she was probably one of the mental patients herself. Um, so it's not a massive shocker that reveal. It's a shocker for the nurse because she literally can't believe it. She's going around asking everyone. Um, I really don't know why this is on the list, to be honest. Yeah, like I kind of. Yeah, uh, and then it's just touched a nerve because it's to do with mental patients. Um, we don't even go anywhere near the basement until about the last five minutes, and then that's a massive anticlimax, isn't it? Again, <laughs> this is just another example of they've just shoehorned the name of the film in just to kind of fall in with all these other don't movies because nothing's really going on in the basement. It just happens that the the doctor that gets killed at the beginning, he's in the basement, and it's all so what? Did I miss something? Like, is is there something more? 
you know more important about the basement that I kind of didn't get because I really don't no. think the basement's got anything to do with this film. No, no. <laughs> what did you I think? think? Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's I think it's probably another one of these things where it's just the idea of and the thing. Ironically, is like the the original name for this movie is The Forgotten, and it's from the seventies. Yeah, that's that's a good one. That makes sense. Yeah, I think personally that Don't Look in the Basement was probably the name that was given when it hit the VHS rental market in the UK. Yeah, it's got to be, because the nasty there's absolutely no relevance to the basement. Yeah, mm-hmm. they should have just called it Don't Go to the Mental Home or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Forgotten is actually pretty good, because it is, you know, people are forgotten when they're in mental homes. Aren't they? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that was a deliberate. It's a lot more poignant than it probably intended to be. But people, you know, like people in old people's homes have basically forgotten, aren't they? Mm-hmm. People in mental institutions have just forgotten about. So I think probably unintentionally, that's quite a, a, a very apt name for this movie. Um, so yeah, don't, don't look in the basement. It's just they've shoehorned it in, like you say, probably just to, to cash in on, on all the other don't movies. Um, yeah. I don't know why on the list it's not a bad film to be honest i mean it's not obviously but i mean we've we've got such a heavy hitter tonight in evil dead um, yeah you know that is obviously going to be the best film on the list tonight but it's probably one of the best films on the on the list in in, in its entirety so this film's not actually that bad i i didn't mind watching it it was um i i'd i probably would recommend this one actually this is okay yeah i'm the, I'm the same I, I think um i'd be quite interested and in, i would i would actually I would actually own this on Blu-ray. I think um, I'd go that far. Like I say, I don't think it's a particularly great movie, but there was there was enough in it that I thought this, you know, this is actually quite clever. And, you know, it definitely felt ahead of its time with some of the subject matter. So yeah, yeah, I very yeah. much gonna agree with you. I, to me, this is a yeah, it's a slap on the wrist again. And no, it shouldn't have been on the list, and shouldn't have been on the prosecuted list either. So. No, I think I'm going to dismiss it. Really? Yeah. I can't think... I don't really know what, what's in it, to be honest. Um, I think if we... Do, you know, we dismissed Evil Speak, didn't we? So... Yeah. I don't, what, what's in this that you think is a slap on the wrist? Um, it's a good point, actually. <laughs> if you're going to be all logical and put me on the spot... Um... Come on, if you, you got to just you got to justify your rating there because I honestly I'm racking my brains and I can't think of, I really can't think of anything uh, that's that bad in know, this. Well, the woman has her tongue removed. It's not. Yeah, but she deserved it. She's talking shit all the time. Yeah, but um, <laughs> yeah, but um, I think that's you know. I mean that. Is you don't have to me. agree with me. Obviously, I just no. uh, I just wondered why. You, I think you're probably right. I think I, I think in your heart of I think it's because I enjoyed it. I feel like I need to legitimately give it some sort of grade to merit on the list. Nah, I think you're probably right. I'll do, um, yeah, cutting off a tongue is not. We've we've, we've lit movies off for a lot less. The killer yeah, dog. We'll, the killer dog in evil speak. That's yeah, the heinous but, crime. Yeah, but that's really the only reason that movie. Like even it's the only reason I can think of out with the really poor attempt to shoehorn Satan in there. Do you see? I don't. Isn't that? Isn't it off? Isn't it off screen when they cut a tongue off? Do you actually see them do it? I'm not sure if you do. I don't think you do actually. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. yeah I think you're right. I, I'm going to dismiss this one. And like I say, not on the list. No, it shouldn't have been on either list. To be honest, this one again, it's just. Uh, put a don't in your movie and all of a sudden you've created quite a hysteria which is bizarre because who started it 
because the yeah. word don't doesn't mean anything, does it? You know, like this is of no relevance to horror, really. I mean, don't as a word is not very evocative of anything. So I don't really know who kind of did it first, because obviously these are all bandwagon jumpers. You know, mm-hmm. let's stick don't in our movie and rename it. Um, yeah, it's, it's very bizarre, but then the whole thing's bizarre, isn't it? You know, the whole, the, it's never going to cease to amaze us just how fucking random a lot of these films are and how they got on the list. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, so, it's, trying, it's trying to make sense out of something that's insane. So I, you, you're never, you're never going to yeah, be able to do it. Exactly. Yeah. I think, uh, I think people that have been listening to this episode have suffered through two movies with us, Andy, and the hopes that we go on to talk about a movie called Don't the Evil Dead. Um, so, mm. is, is it not called do, that? Do watch the Evil Dead. Oh, do watch the Evil Dead, right? Um, <laughs> we're going to take a short break just now. Uh, you're going to hear another promo. You're going to hear some people talking about the movie. When we return, Andy is kicking us off, talking about a little movie from the year I was born, 1981. Um, a little movie that put director Sam Raimi on the map and gave the world Bruce Campbell. It is none other than the Evil Dead. We're going to discuss that movie right after this. Well, Gary, here we are. Somehow... Uh, we made it through here. What? Where? Uh, we're, we're in the sequel, of course. Sequel? What sequel? Well, Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast. Come on, get with it. Oh, that's right. Our podcast is exclusively about sequels, where the budget is well, bigger. we don't actually have a budget. Get away from her, you bitch! But the action's more exciting? Uh, I don't know much about action. Hey, you got a like? Sure, man. Allow me, scum. Babes are hotter? Wait, there's babes involved? How about some of this? So tasty and hard and firm, and it just melts in your mouth. Do the kills get gorier and more extreme? Uh, kills? Did we talk about this? Uh, never mind. So find Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, exclusively on the Horror Network. Because when all other podcasts are through, we're already thinking about part two. The Evil Dead. The Evil Dead got a release cinematically and on video on the same day, which is a very interesting element of the times that uh, were happening with video, that people were taking the personal and the public very differently. It is an unusual case, The Evil Dead, not just because it was a the debut feature of somebody who was a really important filmmaker, Sam Raimi, but because it was distributed by Palace, who were a young, up-and-coming company, also, you know, were... were backing Neil Jordan's films and about to become a bit of a player on the the British film scene. And also because basically Steve Woolley was bloody-minded enough to fight this through the courts. But it became a, a sort of a, a test case. And so therefore, The Evil Dead, which is plainly a horror comedy. It goes a bit too far sometimes, but that's sort of its job. But it became a kind of totemic video nasty and actually it may well be one of the few films that delivers that kind of relentless grueling onslaught of of terror promised by the ad campaigns of video nasties
souls possessed by the spirits of the book through the act of bodily dismemberment. I don't care what happens to her. She's your girlfriend, you take care of her. And welcome back. So our third and final movie of the evening after you've suffered through the last two pieces of shit. Here is a wonderful film, uh, which is probably one of the most famous ones on the list. Probably one of the most famous horror films. I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast won't have seen this. Um, mm-hmm. Evil Dead, a.k.a. Book of the Dead, from directed by, like Duncan says, the now legendary Sam Raimi um, from the USA in 1981. Uh, it got released in February 83, added to the list in October 83, um, and then released finally in 1985. Basically, after Sam Raimi went to court to defend the shit out of this movie, um, took a huge scripted kind of monologue to defend this movie, um, it did get removed from the list. I don't think it was anything to do with Sam Raimi. I think it was going to get removed anyway. I think the judges kind of got a bit fed up with him because apparently he stood up in court. Um, and did what's pretty much almost like a stand-up routine that he'd obviously rehearsed quite well. Um, and I don't think they kind of, I don't think it went down that well, an American kind of bolshy guy in British courts. But apparently you can get the transcripts of that online, so I'll be really interested to kind of see what it was he had to say. Um, the synopsis of this is five friends travelling to a cabin in the woods um, and they unknowingly release a kind of flesh-possessing demons released from an ancient book, which is great really um it's really basic but i really like the way they set it all up you know you got the ancient sumerian book of the dead and the tape recordings of the incantations and all that sort of thing it's really good i mean i saw this film for the first time when i was pretty young um it was the amazing artwork by graham humphreys that instantly attracted me to this film and i just had to have it it was one of them ones where there was no pictures of the film there was no little thumbnails. It was just that incredible, gritty-looking, dirty-looking artwork. Now, I remember I got a mate, um, probably a mate who had facial hair, to buy this for me. <laughs> and this is one of them ones I don't think my parents... My parents weren't, you know, they weren't prepared to get me this, I don't think. I was allowed certain things, um, but I think this one was probably out of range when I was about 12 years old. So I had a mate um, buy this for me from, I think, probably HMV in town. Um yeah, and I absolutely loved it. I think this is one of them films where you can almost kind of ruin uh, horror films as a young lad for yourself if you watch this one first, because everything else kind of pales in comparison to how much gore and how much blood and how much fucking craziness is in this film. If this is one of the first horror films you see, you're kind of setting yourself up for a fall because there's going to be a hell of a lot you'll then watch afterwards, especially in the 80s and early 90s. It's just going to come nowhere near. Um it's just brilliant. I mean, I didn't think it's weird, right? You know, when we talked about this, because I said last week, I don't really know why this is on the list. I'd forgotten about the tree rape. Um, I think that's probably totally why it's on the list. And also, it's weird because in my mind, because I've seen it for quite a few years, I actually thought this probably doesn't hold up that well. And you know, when Baz said that he'd watched it and mm-hmm. he didn't really like it. I kind of thought, yeah, I get that. I understand why he probably doesn't like it because I don't think it's probably that good. I've totally gone back. I've totally changed my mind after watching it again. Um, I think it totally holds up for today. Not necessarily yep. all the effects, but just the film itself, the atmosphere, the camera work, like the gore's insane. 
it's completely over the top, but it's so fucking creative. The camera work and the cinematography, some of the shots are just amazing. The atmosphere of this film is incredible. The little setup to everything that's going to happen, you know, the friends and the find the book and the play the incantations and all that, that setup is just fucking perfectly simple. And then there's just no downtime from about 25 minutes in. I've actually, I'm watching it right now. I was um, inspired by um, listening to the podcast on the Haunted Hill. They had one of their movies playing in the background while they were reviewing it. And I thought, fuck it, I'm going to do that. So I've got Evil Dead basically playing on mute on my big screen in front of me. Um, he's just disemboweling, well, dismembering someone as we speak, chopping their arms and legs off. And it's just fucking great. Um, I think the stop motion at the end is really effective. I think that's probably completely unintentional and probably completely restricted by budget. But looking back, that makes it so much creepier. The effects, I think the effects in this are even better than they are in the remake. I think it's fucking awesome. Uh, go on, Duncan, say something about Evil Dead because I could probably go on for like another 10 minutes just <laughs> saying how good it is. Yeah, I'm very much like yourself. I saw this one um, probably at an age that I shouldn't have been anywhere near this one. My brother had a bootleg copy of this, a really, awesome. really poor quality bootleg VHS. But that makes um, it even better, doesn't it? Oh, of course. The prettier of course. it is. The better, the more, the more seedy and the more naughty and dirty it is when it's like it's, you know a fifth generation reproduced yeah, know, reproduction it, of the film. It, it's even more kind of to be. Yeah, everything, uh, everything about this movie, when when the tracking's so bad and you know it's so grainy and all the rest, everything about that viewing experience instantly tells you this is a movie I should not be seeing, and instantly makes you kind of on edge that you know what am I going to see and this movie blew my fucking mind when I saw it um, I would have been about nine, ten years old I think um, really yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah but by then I'd already seen things like uh, at ten I'd seen Last House on the Left so you know what I mean I was like I was seeing things I shouldn't have seen yeah. and it, it wasn't always resonating yeah. with me what was happening on the screen I didn't have a full understanding but this movie I didn't need to worry about that because this one kind of speaks on a universal level, this movie, I think you don't need to you don't need to understand what's happening with a tree and a woman in this movie at all. That sequence went completely over my head when I was that age. I didn't understand the the the, the idea of of rape, let alone a plant raping a person. But you know, I knew that it was something yeah. that was upsetting her, so it upset me. Um, and yeah, I'm 100% with you. I've never wavered on this one, actually. When Baz over on my show said that he sat down to watch this movie and he just thought it was shit and it didn't hold up and all the rest, the reason I challenged him was I don't get that at all. This movie to me is... This movie to me is better than a lot of the schlocky, cheap movies that are coming out now because Sam Raimi really does... If, yeah, it's a lot of cheap effects and cheap gags and all the rest, but the way he shoots this movie elevates it. You know, yeah, the, the, it's, a, it's a total labour of love. There's so much passion in this movie. This is back in, you know, this harks back to the days. A bit like, do you know what? I compare it to like footballers of today. They're really fucking overpaid and they do not deserve the money they get. In 1966, 
when England won the World Cup, and, I, and I'm not really into football, and it annoys me really when people fucking might go on about how we won it about 50 years ago. He's got to move on. But people used to play football for the love of the game, right? They uh-huh. played football because they absolutely loved playing competitive football. The money was irrelevant, and a lot of them people, had, they still had day jobs and stuff because there was no money in football. I think this is like really a really good comparison with that now. You know, Sam Raimi was not making this movie. Yeah, he made a lot of money on it. I don't think that's his primary concern. I think he just wanted to make a really fucking good horror movie. And you can tell. You can totally tell how much passion has gone into this movie. Um, and it that's why it holds up so well, because you just don't get the, the creativity. You don't get that today. People have not got that hunger, I think, to make films anymore. And the you know the hunger that Sam Raimi had to make this movie, it just it fucking oozes out the way the blood oozes out. And it's weird because I did kind of flip flop, and I've found myself doing this quite a lot on films. Films I really liked when I was younger. I watched them again maybe ten, five, ten years ago. And I don't know, they're not that good. But I think like the older I get, the more I really appreciate these kind of films. And after watching this on Sunday, I just think, yeah, this is fucking up there with literally one of the best horror films of the eighties. Like this is the kind of thing, like I'd be showing my nephew this when he's probably not old enough to watch it just to kind of, cause I think you, you miss that these days now because so much stuff's available online and so much stuff is accessible to people. You don't get that like naughty feeling as a kid of watching a film that you shouldn't really be watching. And I almost want to like introduce that, you know, and just say like, fucking hell, here, when your dad goes out, like stick this on. Do you know what I mean? And like give him almost that kind of joy that I had when I was a kid, like watching something I shouldn't really be watching. And yeah, you just don't get films like that. And like you say, films that are made today with a much bigger budget and with much bigger, you know, uh, effects capabilities and, and much bigger, better equipment and cameras, they don't even come fucking anywhere near a movie like this. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was just an absolute pleasure to watch it again. I honestly can't... Yeah, it's, this is the kind of film I'll just watch sort of year in, year out, I think, now. Now I've kind of almost rediscovered it. I think it was watching the, the remake kind of reignited it for me, and then I, I knew we had to watch it for, for the show. So I kind of deliberately didn't watch it, um, you know, over the last year, because I thought, oh, fuck it, I'm, the first time I watch it on my Blu-ray, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch it for the show. Yeah, and it's just fucking awesome. And um, the tree rape's got to be why it's on the list. Do you think, or is it yeah. the demonic possessions and stuff? I think, I think there's, I think there's so much on this in this movie that probably led to it being banned. I think the fact that the gore content, albeit it's obviously ridiculous, over the top fake gore. I think that I think anyone yeah. in the UK had never seen anything like that by this point. You know, what I mean, this this was like, it's next it, level. Yeah, it's completely to the. But that's that's what I think diffuses the movie. It's so ridiculous and so over the top that it's obviously not real and not not intended to be taken in a serious light. Um, but things like that pencil sequence and the sound effect that still makes me wince. Um, it's brutal. And that's absolutely brutal. Like in I saw the devil when yeah. he fucking slices through it. It's anything near the Achilles tendon just makes me fucking shudder. Yeah, and I think that a combination of that, yeah, you know, people being dismembered, um, with the blood effects, the, the tree rape. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing about this movie is the fact you were obviously talking about Sam Raimi defending it. Is this one was taken to court four times? 
Was it? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah. So basically, it was dismissed the first time, um, and it was taken off the list. But it was then tried in different areas of England under the obscenity laws. Um, okay. And the, you know the police kept trying it there, and there was actually public back kind of backlash to how much money was being spent trying to prosecute a movie which had basically been overturned. It's insane. Surely that's completely disproportionate because a lot of now, like a lot of crimes, basically go unprosecuted because it's not in the public interest, and not in the public interest basically means it will cost too much money for how for the you know for how big the offence is. Like something like shoplifting, it is just not in the public interest. That must have cost fucking thousands to put this through court four times just for a little mm. film. Yeah, it's just insane, and um, I think I mean ultimately. I think the last, I'm sure I read somewhere that the last time it was tried under the obscenity law, um, the movie was actually shown to the judge and the jury to make a decision on it and the judge dismissed it and then chastised the the prosecutors for bringing it, you know, trying to try it again, basically saying you're wasting court time. But this movie is the movie that Mary Whitehouse said was the epitome of what video nasties were. This was the one that she hated the most. This is the one that she went on the campaign (laughs) most ardently about above things like Cannibal Holocaust and that blows my mind that she was, this was her target. It it does blow my mind but also bear in mind she didn't watch any of them so she's not basing it on watching it. She did say that. She did. She did. I think yeah, she did say that at the time. Is but and yeah, I, I think there's a lot of reasons why this, and it'll reflect in my grade at the end. Actually, there there are a hell of a lot of reasons if we're going down the road of the justification of a a, a video nasties list. There's there are so many reasons in this movie that this should be on the prosecuted list. Um, the the thing that diffuses it for me is like I say the fact that the 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 tone of the movie has comical elements in it not a lot but they are there um, and the yeah. gore is so over the top that you can't you can't take it you can't take a movie like this seriously um, I still think there's certain sequences in here that are creepy as fuck and um, I I genuinely that this to me is the like you were saying earlier on. You you mentioned about making film for making film. I mean, Raimi scraped together every last penny, borrowed money to make this movie. It cost him just under four hundred thousand dollars to make this movie, and this movie cemented his career and is the reason that he is not only one of the biggest names in horror, but transcended that to go on and do Spider Man movies, and you know it really kind of pushed out with. The, the genre altogether. I think which is what's really interesting about this um, is obviously he's returning in a couple of months with the TV uh, sequel to The Evil Dead. He's going to yes. continue the journey on, which yeah. I love the idea that, you know, we're, we're, we're over 30 years on and that's still, you know, there's still an appetite for it. That's how well it's held up. But he did a, a, a certain movie a couple of years ago called Drag Me to Hell which embraces so many of the elements of this movie it's unbelievable I absolutely fucking love that movie it's a it's 9 amazing. out of 10 I fucking love yeah. it it's Baz what have you showed Baz that yet for Baz v I think I think he has he's not on Baz v Horror but I think he's already seen it I think this is one of these okay. weird anomalies that he's seen if he's not he'll be getting it at some point because yeah. I yeah. don't know how you can't watch that movie and just not be like fucking this this as a horror movie. 
this is what it's all about. And Remy, Remy does it better than than most. And um, the fact that the fact that the Evil Dead was not. I mean, this you could argue on some level the Evil Dead would not have the cult status it has without the video nasties and without him, you know, defending this movie in front of of politicians and you know juries in the UK and really kind of pushing this idea of it. But I don't think that's right. I think this movie was always destined to be a cult phenomenon, um, and the fact that it, you know it still is is pretty fucking yeah. cool. As as of of all the movies we've discussed, it's not my favourite from all the movies in the nasty list. This is the one that I have the most fun watching. This is the one since the, the, the list started for us right back in January. This is the movie I've been waiting to review and um yeah. checking it out the first time I've seen it in about a couple of years, sitting down to watch it for this yeah, show just just made me fucking overjoyed. I had an absolute blast with this movie. Um I'll go on record to say it's not my favourite. Uh, the second one's my favourite um, which is you know the one where people are like yeah but it gets more comedic in the second one I think the balance is perfect in the second movie um, I don't like the wackiness don't I like love it. the wa- I love the wackiness it reminds but I've not me. watched it for a good while it's in my um, it's in my Amazon watch list because they released um, in the USA they released the 25th anniversary edition a few in about 2011 um, and they basically have done a carbon copy of that um, for the UK, and you can get it for about six pound fifty. Yeah. Um, so I do want to get it because I want when I watch it for the first time in absolutely years, I want it, I want it to be on Blu-ray to kind of get the full effect because apparently the transfer is pretty fucking good on it. Um, mm. I think on Blu-ray.com it's about a four out of five, and the sound oh, is right. the same. Um, but in my memory, the wackiness pissed me off a little bit, and I, I do find that a bit because I think it's not. I don't know. It takes away from the from the from the creepiness and from the fact that it's a, a horror film for me. Yeah, I, I think I, I mean I always looked at yeah this the first one is more a horror movie with bits of comedy. The second movie is a horror comedy, and the third movie the the third movie is a comedy with bits of horror in it. So the yeah. the, the comedy becomes pr- more prevalent. I think that the second movie is arguably one of the greatest horror comedies ever made. Um, and it makes me it makes me laugh. Um, I think it's the one that really cements the idea of Bruce Campbell, um, the actor that we all know. The character of Ash is all uh, that all comes from the second movie, not from the first movie. Yeah, um, it's yeah. my favourite to watch just because I have I have a blast with that one. But I I love all three Evil. In fact, I love the remake as well. I love all four Evil Dead movies. I don't think there's a bad movie amongst them. And this movie's where it starts off. Um, yeah, I think this movie's fucking awesome. If you have gone through your life and never seen The Evil Dead, then that is that is a movie that needs to be put very much near the top of your list. Even if you think it's cheesy, even if you think it's ridiculous and crass and over the top and all the rest, you take into account that this is like the the beginning of a, a film career. When you look, I can't relate what Sam Raimi, like he did an Oz movie recently, Oz the Great and Powerful I can't relate that man I can't understand, you know, like that guy went on to do that after doing Evil Dead that blows my mind, but it's all there, <laughs> you know, it's all there if you watch Evil yeah. Dead, it is, it is all there, the the, the, the true vision of a, a, a an excellent director is all there um, in Evil Dead, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a phenomenal movie 
Um, I can't. I can't say. I mean, we could literally spend the next forty minutes just jerking the shit out of this movie. Um, yeah. I, I would. I would be happy with it. But understanding that we do have time constraints on this show, um, and we're talking about a movie that everyone knows inside out. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. As it, it really is. It really is one of the. It's one of the highlights in the list for me by far. Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, some genuinely creepy moments in there. Um, I mean, the bit where he disembowels her and like all the, all the bits are like quivering and twitching on the floor. That, that's fucking creepy. The one that they lock in the basement that's constantly just banging on the basement door with her face like through the little gap. And that's really fucking creepy. And for me, that's where they dropped the ball a little bit in the remake. There wasn't enough of that kind of shit. Just, you know, just the the demon kind of fucking with them. I know they did do the whole basement thing in the remake, but just that thing of her constantly popping her head through the gap, and it, it's so convincing, like the special effects on that, the practical makeup, it, she genuinely just looks really fucked up and possessed, and it's great. I think that's the bit that really stuck with me as a kid, was just this fucking demon in the basement that could probably get out at any time if it wanted to, but it doesn't. It's just fucking with them. Do you know what I mean? Like If that, if that demon wanted to come blasting out that basement door, it could do. But it doesn't. It just stays down there, just fucking freaking everybody out. I think it's so good. And uh, just one more thing I want to say that really made me laugh. Like the cabin is just like a TARDIS from Doctor Who. Like from <laughs> the outside, it looks about like it's about I don't know ten square foot. When you get inside, it's like four bedrooms, six bathrooms. There's a snooker table in there. <laughs> like it's huge <laughs> when you get inside. But from the outside, it just looks like a tiny little garden shed. And that always just makes me smile because I just think that's obviously not like the cabin that they film from the outside is not the cabin that they're filming on the inside. Um, but obviously it wouldn't work. You do need that massive space for kind of everyone to move around and everyone to get, you know, pull through a bedroom window and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's fucking great. And if, if you've uh, got the Blu-ray of this, on one of the special features is like a feature length documentary about the making of the film it just goes into every little detail about how they got all the shots and the gore and everything uh, that's well worth the watch if you've got the blu-ray as well yeah yeah i've got I've, I've got the blu-ray as well and i can attest to that as well um andy we now need to rate this movie um and yeah this is going to be interesting this is a, a bit of looking f- yeah it's a tough one it, I, like i say to me this movie on paper, ticks all the boxes for a movie that should be very much on the prosecuted list. But I think the fact that the there is tonal aspects here which which remove it from that, and the the overuse of ridiculous amounts of gore, I think means to me that it would, in my mind, it should never have been a prosecuted movie. In terms of rating, though, uh, we have hefty amounts of gore. We have dismemberment. We have horrible scenes with things getting stuck in legs. Um, we have demonic possession, which I think is handled really creepily. We have tree rape. Um, I think community service for me. I think uh, I think it probably earns that just because when you see this movie in its uncut version, um, with all those elements in, there's enough just to tip it over. It would have been community service up until I watched it this week and then I was like that nah there's yeah. a couple of things in here I think that just tip it over that 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 kind of tip it over the pole to to land in um, in the old uh, well it would have been slapping the wrist but then it tipped over into community service yeah. 
So community services where I land on it, and it shouldn't have been on the prosecuted list. What about yourself? Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you. I was having this discussion with Rachel last night because she talked about the tree rape, and I said, "Is that is it really disturbing? Like because it's a tree, and there's no way that a tree can, you know, a tree wouldn't rape a person, would they? It's, it's, it's inconceivable in like the real world. Yeah, but I think the way it's handled." the way it's handled is quite brutal you know the tree like slowly first of all like takes their hands and you can imagine if that was like a group of men pinning a woman's hands down and then a group of men grabbing her ankles and forcing her legs apart and then another guy raping her you know it's fucking that is absolutely brutal and the way she is you know her reaction to it and her you know the actress is really believable you know that it might as well be being gang raped by a group of men it just so happens that it's a tree that's doing all the kind of actions but mm-hmm. yes yeah, so rachel said for me like she said there's a woman that is really fucking disturbing like that yeah. you know even though it is a tree and it's to its complete fantasy because it's in you know that couldn't happen in re- in reality it's still incredibly disturbing i kind of thought yeah it is really because we've seen quite a lot of you know rapes and attempted rapes in other films by humans and they're nowhere near as disturbing as this you know yeah. so i don't know it's i think i yeah i think i probably agree with you just the, the sheer level of gore and brutality and even though it's completely over the top it's convincing to me you know it's it's that thing where they don't you know if it was all done with cgi you'd think oh, no, i'm not you know I, I don't believe it but because it's it's so almost like grounded in reality because it's all makeup, it's all tangible, all those effects, you know, the, the people are genuinely covered in blood and you can genuinely see like mouldy body parts and I think it's so fucking realistically done, even though it's OTT, for me it's got some of the best practical effects you're going to see in an 80s movie. Um, yeah, I think I'll give it community service as well. Almost, uh, I think it needs to be awarded community service just because it's yeah. so fucking fantastic. <laughs> like, it's almost doing it a disservice just to give it a slap on the wrist because Sam Raimi went to so much effort. If he knew about our rating system, right, if we could go back in time and explain our rating <laughs> system to Sam Raimi, he would have been thinking, right, I want to fucking get this, you know, I want to get this one hard time. Unfortunately, it doesn't get to the level of hard time because there's so much other stuff competing for that, you know, stuff like Cannibal Holocaust with the horrendous rape and the animal stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's almost like Sam Raimi deserves this to be a community service because he puts so much effort into it being community service. He puts so much effort into trying to disturb his audience. And I think despite how OTT is, I think it is genuinely disturbing and it's fucking great. So yeah, I don't think it should have been on the prosecuted list because it's not grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. And I think for something to be genuinely disturbing, it's got to have aspects of stuff that are grounded in reality and that we've really said should be on the list is stuff like animal torture and violence, you know, genuinely disturbing rape. So, yeah, it shouldn't have been on the original list, but it fucking deserves to be on this list. And I love the fact that Sam Raimi just went and stood up in court and kind of argued the case for it. I think that's brilliant. And I'm, I'm going to seek out the transcripts. I'm really keen to see what he had to say to the judges and it's good. It almost kind of reassures me as well that there was a judge out there that thought it was ridiculous, and that mm-hmm. he reprimanded the he reprimanded he reprimanded the prosecution, saying, "What the fuck are you thinking? It's just a film." And it kind of makes me laugh because you say the jury and the judge like had to sit and watch it as part of the prosecution. I bet loads of them people were going, "This is fucking great!" Like I can't <laughs> believe this. We're getting we're getting we're getting paid time off work to watch this. You know, we're on yeah. jury duty. And we're basically, it's a day out of the cinema and we're meant to be on jury duty. It's fucking hilarious. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm really pleased that we got to talk about this film and I'm really pleased that I finally got around to watching my Blu-ray as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're going to take our final break of the show when we return. We're closing out doing the nasty episode 17 right after this. Banana Laser is filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hey, Wazelle, I think we should record a new ad for Banana Laser. Great idea, Dave. We should say that Banana Laser Horror Podcast is hosted by us and Alex. What? I heard my name. I think we should talk about the retrospectives. They've been a pretty big hit. Fucking Friday the 13th, Saw, Halloween retrospective. Yeah, man, I've heard people listen to that Halloween retrospective every October like it's tradition. Yeah, you don't say. Well, I shouldn't be surprised. I do, too. You listen to your own podcast? Yeah, uh, our shit is that damn good. Yeah, man, we should also say in the ad we hope to introduce horror fans to something new, whether it's a movie they haven't heard of or look at other films in a new way. Yeah, we could talk about our walking through the 80s specials we did when we covered the 80s movies. We could talk about rolling through the 70s. We could talk about you doing mushrooms. (laughs) Yeah, we can. Are you writing this down? Writing? What are you two talking about? Yeah, and the ad should say all the technical stuff, too. Like, you can find our show and its full archive on horrorphilia.com, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube. Uh, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's... Oh, hold on. We could talk about uh, Banana Bites, because no one else does it. It's uh, the in-between episodes. Yeah, all about horror news releases, and, of course, with our witty opinions and observations. Ugh. Yeah, shit. Perfect, man. I think that should do it. This new ad for Banana Laser is going to be awesome. Oh, that's what you guys are talking about. Can I be on it? No. no. <laughs> Banana Laser wins every time. And welcome back. So you've been listening to Doing the Nasty, episode number 17. We have covered a couple of don't movies. Don't go near the park. Uh, don't go in the basement. Um, and... Uh, we also did a little movie called The Evil Dead, which, oh my god, that fucking movie, man, that movie. But Andy, as is customary yeah, on this show, what, it's, uh, a fucking, it, it's a weird film to be sitting watching with on mute. I've just got the yeah. images just like <laughs> streaming into my TV, streaming into my lounge. It's fucking great. <laughs> um, as is customary on this show, though, you are the keeper of the list, the list of movies. All right, we've got Frozen Scream. Oh, right. uh, then I've never heard of. Uh, we've got a t- another Tony Hooper film, The Fun House from 1981, oh, which I think I've seen. The Fun House. Um, so that's many years ago. I've watched that. Probably going on ten years. So I'm looking forward to watching that again. And then, uh, just in case you thought we'd kind of come to the end of our experiment type movies, we've got one that's literally called Human Experiments. So I can only imagine what that's going to be about. I'm assuming it is going to be kind of a Nazi exploitation, but I might be wrong. I've not actually done any research on these yet. I'm just going to be surprised next week <laughs> by them. Have you seen any of these? I know you've obviously seen Funhouse, but have you seen the other two? No, I've seen neither one of these ones uh, out with Funhouse. So, and a Funhouse is a movie I've not seen in a couple of years, uh, but I got the. Do you know what? Um, I think we've actually got uh, it's, this is going to be a running theme for at least about the next six episodes that even though a couple of the films are going to be shit there's going to be good films worth talking about we've got Funhouse next episode and we've got Inferno the episode f- uh, after oh. which could turn out to be divisive uh, then we've got Let Sleeping Corpses Lie which is also known as The Living Dead at the Manchester Morgue which uh, is a fucking great film uh, we've got Pranks the episode after that Slayer oh, Possession's on that one by the way okay awesome. Possession with Sam Neill 
Yeah, yeah. So uh, oh, some yeah. fucking good films coming up. I'm uh, quite excited about these. Yeah, loads, loads and loads. And the only way you can hear our opinions and reviews on them is to make sure that you are subscribed to Horophilia the network of podcasts that uh, hosts this show. A huge thanks to Jason Lloyd over at Horophilia for putting out this show, giving it at home. Um, we have only a couple of months left uh, in existence before myself and Andy depart. Like um, a couple of cowboys leaving the saloon with the sun shining through yep. the swing gates and we walk through off to help another town somewhere. I don't know where I was going watch, with it. That was the films worst. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, watch films and stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm really looking forward to coming back in a couple of weeks and um, discussing some movies that once again, I think that's the beauty of some of these ones is now, is that you, you're guaranteed, like you were saying, each, each show you're guaranteed a movie which is held in pretty good high regards for the next couple of weeks and then it's, it's the luck of the draw whether or not the movie's either side of that movie are good or not, uh, and I'm looking forward to them. And so far, the non-prosecuted list is still batting well above average in terms of quality. So hopefully that yeah. trend continues. Um, is there anything else you want to say, Andy, before we we mosey on out of here? Uh, no, that's about it. Just don't forget to check out Johnny Crew's new show, everyone, because that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. Yes, it's, it is a it is a welcome return from the man they call Krug. It's always great. Um, to to hear that man come back and just do what he does best, which is he's like a rock star. He's a fucking rock star at podcasting. I love it. Absolutely love it. So check out his show. Check out all the shows on Horophilia. A big thanks again to Jeff X Martin from Kiss the Goat for supplying us yeah, with cheers, movies mate. that we can't find. Um, I think uh, that man is facilitating us. Um, Probably with, won't be the last time either. We have to uh, ask for. <laughs> yeah, I think he's a he's he's like a drug dealer hooking us up with terrible terrible. Go-to guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff will know this. Um, but yeah, until the next time we speak to you, which uh, won't be that long, remember you can check out um, other shows we've got. You've got um, the Big Horn Little Podcast back catalogue over on Legion Podcast Network. I do a show called Podcast Under the Stairs. It's on Legion Podcast Network. So on Stitcher and iTunes, and you can check us out directly on our website, podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com. No more plugging of anything else now. Me and Andy are going to get out of here. Andy, would you like to say goodbye to the listeners? Bye. Bye. They were called nasties, and they were nasty. Some of the things that we've seen are so horrific. These films not only affect young people, but I believe they affect adults as well. An extravaganza of gory violence, capable of depraving and corrupting those who watched it. I have never seen a video, mister. I wouldn't. I actually don't need to see what I know is in that film.